You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you live from Hobart, Tasmania and it's a beautiful sunny morning, although I can just see some clouds coming over, Peter, but uh, it was beautiful and it sunny this morning. It was beautiful this morning. I've just looked out and I can see Mount Wellington in the uh, out the window and uh, the clouds are coming over. Anyway, it is still a good day to be here and uh, today and every Thursday we've got Peter Watts in the studio with his series Searching for Certainty. Now, Peter, uh, you're a pastor of two churches, and I know you run a lot of different Bible studies. So uh, I'm just going to ask you, what do you enjoy? What do you like about leading Bible studies? Mm, well, I, uh, when you say leading a Bible study, it kind of uh, leaves the impression that I, I teach Bible, and I certainly do. But I also learn all the time, and that's one of the exciting things for me. The Bible is a book that uh, you never grow tired of. It's not like you read through it, you get to the end and write what's next. Um, it's a Bible, it's a book that you're continually learning from. And so when I'm doing Bible studies with people, whether they're individuals or whether they're Bible study groups, there's always something new that comes out. And just as God is able to teach me individually as I study the Bible and I pray to him for, for insight, um, He's able to teach other people. And, and when you get together in a group of people, God has given insights to individuals that he hasn't necessarily given to me. Mm-hmm. And so I can discover things in that discussion. We have a discussion, uh, Bible study discussion group every Saturday morning. And, uh, you know, I'm always intrigued at how, you know, what, what people have learned through the week through that Bible study. So to me, it's just a continual, it's a little bit like a jigsaw puzzle. If you imagine, uh, I don't know if people have done many jigsaws lately. I haven't done one for a while, but we used to, my, my, my dad used to like to do these, you know, thousand piece jigsaw puzzles. And, uh, you know, you, you, you're sort of, as you you get the framework, you know, you get the edges, you get the corners, and you you sort of you know what's the big picture, you know, and and then you start to put in the little details, and and you just can't you you can't really see where this piece would fit until a few other pieces have fitted, and then you put that in. And and have you ever worked on a jigsaw puzzle with a group of people? It, well, you know, like with two well, or three. Yeah, not necessarily in terms of intentionally. I think yeah. I, I think a couple of times I have for sure. But uh, usually people come along and say, oh, I'm, I'm going to put a piece in yeah, for you, yeah. you know. And you say, oh, that's where that belongs. I, I always find that, uh, you know, other people, you know, their brains work a little bit differently. <laughs> they see things differently. Or they work. And, and they can sometimes uh, find the pieces that you've been struggling to find for a long time. Mm. So. And I, I, th- I find that true when you go through the Bible. So mm. I'm constantly cycling through the Bible. And as you go through the Bible, there's a little window opened by a verse and you say, I never saw that before. I've mm. read it before, but I never saw that before. Mm. And then you, you go through, you know, to another few books of the Bible as you're reading through, and that opens another window to something else. So it's, it's a, a, an ever rewarding exercise, uh, in, in more greater discovery, really. And, and so studying with other people, you get to find out what, what uh, insights they've discovered mm, mm. as well as the ones that you've discovered i, I certainly enjoy uh, uh group-based bible studies you can learn so much mm. and uh and have really good discussions about what you're learning as well yeah um now we're going to review our last episode shortly but um just remind our listeners you can go back uh to previous episodes using the faith fm app that you can get from the android app store or the uh 
Apple App Store, the Faith FM Australia app. You can get it and download it, and you can listen to programs anytime you want. And you can also listen to live shows on there as well. Uh, and also the Faith FM website, faithfm.com.au. You can listen to the live programs, or you can go back and find the past episodes as well. So do that if you are wanting to catch up on the previous episodes. Our Show number for Tassie Encounters is 0488 Now that's a mobile text number and you can text us in any time. You might have a question, you might want to give us some feedback, you might want to answer some of our on-air questions or take advantage of our free book offers that we give away and we will have one later in the program. So that's 0488 do write that down somewhere or save it somewhere and uh, you'll be able to connect with us and we really do encourage you to do that. We, we love hearing from our listeners. Last week's episode, Peter, was titled In Search of the Remnant and uh, how does that connect with where we're going today? Yeah, sure. So uh, we we were looking for, does God have an end time uh, church in scripture, a, a remnant movement? Uh, we've noticed that the remnant was a theme that we see throughout scripture. God has always called out an individual or a people um, to, you know, to represent him. Uh, and they haven't always done that very well. But God has always been about trying to do that. And uh, one of the identifying characteristics we looked at of the end time remnant was it had they keep the commandments of God and they have the testimony of Jesus. And the testimony of Jesus in Revelation 19.10 tells us that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy well what does that mean and that's our title for today the spirit, the spirit of, prophecy. of prophecy that's what we're going to look mm. at and so what does that really mean so the spirit of course is the holy spirit and prophecy is one of the gifts of the spirit and so if uh, i'm just going to pick up a, a scripture here in ephesians chapter 4 uh, i don't think you've got that one over there but no. i have it here uh, ephesians 4 8 says therefore he says when he ascended on high he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men and so this is talking about jesus he when he ascended to heaven he gave gifts to men and that was of course through the the pouring out of the holy mm. spirit on the day of pentecost and uh, it says in verse 11 onwards he says and he himself gave some to be apostles some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, that's the people of God, for the work of ministry, for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. And so that was the purpose of giving these these gifts. And the gift of prophecy is one of those gifts. And we want to have a look at what the Bible says about that. And particularly, is the spirit of prophecy still relevant to us today who live long after the Bible has been written. We want to have a look at that. So in the Bible, um, when God created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in the paradise, he would uh, be able to meet with them face to face. Um, But then, of course, because of sin, we became separated from God. And that's one of the big problems that God sees with sin is it, it separates us from him. And so Adam and Eve left the garden and we've been outside of the garden since. But God then would communicate through prophets, he would communicate his message to individuals whom he knew would faithfully deliver that message. doesn't mean they were perfect in every way, mm. but it does mean they were willing to deliver God's message. And um, we can read here in Acts chapter 3, verse 21. Maybe you'd like to pick that up, Jason. It says, God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. 
All right. And he, uh, you know, even uh, it talks about Abel uh, being a prophet of God way back, uh, one of the sons of, of Adam and Eve. So God has, has used prophets to communicate with us because we have been separated from him through sin. We are outside the garden now and God wants to get us back to the garden and he's mm. going to communicate with us how to do that. He said the reason for this, of course, is because God is saying to us, I love you, I care about you and I have a plan to help you. God wants to communicate with us and so he used prophets to do that. There's a passage in Amos 3.7 that's interesting because I think it tells us something about the way in which prophecy is used. It says, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. All right. So essentially what this is saying is that in terms of the plan of salvation, in terms of God's plan to save humanity, he doesn't do anything unless he's going to reveal it through his servants, the prophets. So he, he God is telling us what he's going to do, and then he goes ahead and, and does it. Mm. And so um, if you think about some of the major events in, in salvation history, before the flood, for instance, God sent a prophet. His name was? Noah. His name was Noah. Um, before the exodus, when God was going to take his people out of Egypt, and form them as a nation. Uh, he called another prophet, and his name, of course, was Moses. Um, before the captivity in Babylon, God sent prophets. He sent many prophets, Isaiah and, and Jeremiah. We might think about that mm. as well, because there were, you know, uh, several times that they got taken, uh, captives taken from Babylon to, sorry, Jerusalem to Babylon. And then, of course, before Christ's ministry, uh, before Jesus came preaching, there was somebody else preaching in the wilderness. His name was John the Baptist. Mm. And so God has raised up prophets in order to herald the fact that he's going to do something significant in the great plan of salvation. Sometimes we think of prophets as predicting the future. M many people might think of prophecy in that vein. But often prophets were also God's mouthpiece mm. to his people. And so sometimes they're talking about the, 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 the future, but sometimes they're talking about the present. And, um, and so we see that God has, you know, before the flood, before the exodus, before captivity, before Christ's ministry, and before many other things, God has sent a prophet to tell the people what he's about to do. The question would be is, before Christ's second coming, would God send a prophet? It would seem to me that the pattern is established that God would send a prophet in order to herald such a an important event because when Jesus comes at the end of the world, you know that's really uh, the wrapping up of the great uh, you know battle between good and evil. That once we make it to heaven, when Jesus comes back to take us to heaven, then then that's you know all wrapped up. So it would seem to me a very important thing that God would want to send a messenger before Jesus comes again. And of course, uh, Peter. Yeah, that's not just your idea because I think we can find some evidence in Scripture exactly. that tells us that in the last days there will be... Well, that's it. Prophets. And we've mentioned before, like I said, mm. one of the identifying characteristics of the remnant, God's end-time people will be, they keep the commandments of God, they have mm. the testimony of Jesus, which is the spirit of prophecy. We're going to go to a break, and as we listen to this song, we're going to ask you a question. Does the world still need guidance from God today? And uh, we'd love you to text us in uh, if uh, you've got an answer to that. Also, maybe you can explain why you think that. And uh, text us in to 0488 Does the world still need guidance today?
This is Speak, O Lord, by Keith and Kristen Getty. song by Keith and Kristen Getty Speak O Lord and uh, that's what we want to uh, do we want to be able to hear and uh, 
hear from God. And we've, in the past, we've heard through the prophets. And uh, we were just uh, talking before we went to the break about whether or not uh, we would hear again in the last days. Mm, yeah. And uh, we believe that the Bible tells us that we will. So we're going to get on to that. I'll just remind you of our question that we asked you uh, just before the music break. Does the world still need guidance today from God? And uh, why do you think that is, uh, is, is it still relevant that we have you know, prophetic uh, messages, I mm. guess. Mm-hmm. So let's keep going, Peter. All right. Yeah, no problem. Let's. Well, so there's a few things that we want. If if we're going to talk about has God sent any modern day prophets, right? If we're going to ask that question, then we would say, well, if they were modern day prophets, they'd be outside of Scripture, mm. right? And is that even allowed? Mm. You know, in other words, are the gifts still available? And uh, I think you know, reading Ephesians tells us that 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 God has poured out gifts and the gifts were for the spreading of the gospel. Mm. Um, And so, um, I mean, here's a thought. What do these uh, prophets have in common? And some people may have never heard some of these names. Gad, Shemaiah, Ido, Oded, Azur, Jasher, Nathan. Nathan, I've heard of Nathan. Elijah. Probably heard of Elijah. Heard of Elijah. And John, as in John the Baptist. Yeah. What do those prophets have in common? I don't know. Okay. Well, what they have in common is they have no writings in Scripture. Okay. And so when you think about now, some of them, you know, probably people scratch their head and say, "I haven't even heard of Gad Mm. or whatever." But uh, he's he's mentioned as a prophet in the in the Bible, but he didn't actually. We don't have any scripture that he wrote. Any, we don't have any books in yeah. the Old Testament. We don't have the book of Gad. No. Okay. And we don't have the book of Elijah. No. And we don't have the book of John the Baptist. Mm. And so even, uh, you know, Elijah's regarded as a significant prophet, mm. you know, because even when uh, John the Baptist came along, the people said, are, are you Elijah? Come back from, from the dead. And, you know, Elijah was a significant prophet. And so, and of course, John the Baptist was a significant prophet. Jesus said of him uh, in Luke 7.28, Uh, Read that for us, Jason. For I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. So Jesus is saying that, you know, there's no greater prophet than John the Baptist. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? And, of course, you know, this uh, the the purpose of the prophets was to um, reveal God's messages. Yes. But uh, in the case of John the Baptist, it was to reveal... God, God himself, himself in the flesh. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's mm. very true. Mm. So, so yeah, any wonder that Jesus says there's no greater than John the Baptist. But see, John the Baptist didn't write any scripture. Mm. So you can be a, a prophet of God, you can be a great prophet of God, and have no writings in the scriptures. That's the important point that I wanted to make there. And uh, we've already read uh, the fact that, you know, uh, Ephesians tells us that God gave some to be apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. He gave these gifts so that you know the church would be built up and that the gospel would be be uh, spread. Mm. And um, here's another th- element, and this is in uh, Ephesians four fourteen. I think this is a useful piece that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. So that's important from the perspective that God gives prophets or messages through prophets in order to... 
Keep us on the Keep right. Keep us on the right path. track, yeah. right? And and you know, obviously, we have the Bible, which is basically a collection of the prophets, mm. right? And uh, it's good that we have that Bible because otherwise, we can come to erroneous conclusions about what God might or might not want us to do. Mm. Um, also, if you think about prophets, do you think that prophets could be both male and female? In this modern day, you'd have to say yes. <laughs> well, in this modern day, you would have to say yes. But what about in ancient times? Yeah, and the Bible says exactly. absolutely. Mm-hmm. So there were female prophets. In fact, they were called prophetess. Um, and we can read about them. In the Old Testament, you have Deborah in Judges 4.4. You have Miriam. Of course, she was a sister of Moses, Moses. and Aaron. That's a fascinating family because you have Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. All of them had the gift of prophecy. Mm. Uh, so that was uh, interesting. So Miriam was a prophetess, the Bible says. Holder, there was a lady by the name of Holder at the time of Josiah. She was a prophetess. And Anna in the New Testament, in the book of Luke, you may remember uh, when Jesus uh, was brought to the dedication, to his dedication at the temple, uh, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus there. And uh, Anna was there and she, she prophesied. Also in Acts 21 verse 9, the Bible says that Philip had, uh, Philip the evangelist had four daughters who prophesied. Mm. So they clearly had the gift of prophecy as well. And so male, female, we have both prophets and prophetess in the Bible. So what we want to find out though is how can you spot a true prophet? In other words, uh, do we embrace all prophets you know by jesus said in the last days he says beware of false prophets yeah right yeah um however there are clearly true prophets so how are you going to tell the difference and we want to just have a look at a few criteria in terms of how we might uh find out whether somebody's a true prophet first of all i think this is very important a true prophet is going to be in harmony with God's word. It's going to be a true prophet's going to be in harmony with what has already been revealed by God. So, for instance, Isaiah eight twenty um, says um, this. Yeah, it says to the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this world, it is because there is no light in them. Yes, according to this word. Word, sorry. Yes, not world. world. <laughs> according to this word. So to the law and the testimony. Now, the law and the testimony was the law of Moses and the testimony of the prophets. It's basically speaking to the Old Testament uh, that had been written to that point. And so, in other words, God is not uh, inconsistent. Sometimes people like to take the Bible and say, oh, I've got a, I found a contradiction here. And there are many apparent contradictions in the scripture and if you have just a surface reading then you're going to pick them up and say oh these are contradictions but when you actually understand what they're they're saying those contradictions disappear, disappear yep. uh they're they're surface uh contradictions but um so god is consistent and a second uh evidence of a true prophet is that they receive dreams and visions this is typically how god communicates with prophets and we can pick this up in numbers 12 6 as if there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. So visions and dreams, we see this in uh, Scripture where God can um, communicate with, with his prophets through those just, uh, means. Just thinking of some uh, very uh, 
big ones in terms of visions and dreams. That was Joseph, mm. and uh, he had many. And yes. uh, then, of course, we know Daniel and uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, for sure. And uh, even mm. Joseph, you remember Mary and Joseph, uh, that he yes. received a dream yes. not only about why his wife was pregnant mm. or his wife-to-be mm. and why they had to flee to Egypt. Mm. Um, so, yeah, God has pr- communicated in dreams and visions. Thirdly, of course, predictions come to pass. Now, this might seem like a no-brainer. You know, if, if a prediction is made, it comes to pass. There is a caveat to that. Some some uh, predictions that God gives are conditional. Hmm. Uh, so, for instance, Nineveh, um, Jonah went to Nineveh. He prophesied, yet 40 days the city will be destroyed. Hmm. They repented. And, and of course, it was, was God's intention that, that they repent rather than be destroyed. And mm. so it wasn't destroyed at that time. So, but generally speaking, you would want the, the prophecies to come to pass. Uh, Jeremiah 28 verse 9 says, When the word of the prophet shall come to pass, then shall the prophet be known that the Lord has truly sent him. Mm. Um, four, a fourth test of a true prophet would be, that they edify the church. They build up the church. They're not trying to tear it apart. Jesus said, I will build my church. And so uh, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 4, he who prophesies edifies the church, builds the church up. That's, I think, very important. It's very easy to come along and criticize everything. But are you trying to build the church or are you trying to tear it apart? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's uh, another significant evidence. Number five, that... A true prophet will exalt Jesus. They will uplift Jesus because Jesus, of course, is God come in the flesh. We're not going to return to a place where we don't know who Jesus is. Yeah. You know what I mean? So a, new, a prophet of God is not going to come along and say, oh, I don't recognize Jesus. Mm. That, that wouldn't be a prophet of God. Um, verse, uh, sorry, 1 John 4, 2 says, Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. So they're going to recognize Christ. And then... Sixth, uh, a true prophet will bear good fruit. You know, a true prophet is not going to speak for God but live like the devil. You've got to have some relative consistency. We're not talking about stainless steel perfection here. You know, we're all sinners in need of a saviour. Even the prophets were sinners in need of a saviour. But uh, but they, the Bible says you will know them by their fruits, and I think that's a good method by which you can test a prophet. Well, we'll come back after our break and uh, we'll talk more about what happens in the last days. Yeah, for sure. And uh, just before we go to our break, we've got our book offer today and that book offer is titled Steps to Christ and uh, we'll give you a bit more information about that. Uh, do remember our listener question, Do does the world still need guidance from God today and why? This is Spirit of the Living God by Audrey Assad.
righteousness and peace till Christ shall dwell in human hearts and sin and sorrow cease. Oh, 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 program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we've been speaking with Peter Watts this morning on his program Searching for Certainty. And before we went to the break, we promised that we'd be continuing our discussion with the, I guess, the talk about what's happening in the last days in in terms of prophets and prophecy. So we looked at, um, you know, tests of a true prophet. And uh, we we listed those six examples, and then, of course, what we want to know is is yeah, are there prophets after the Bible times, or more particularly, are there prophets in the end times? And we want to read some scripture here. So, if you look at Joel chapter two, verse twenty eight and twenty nine, I'll get you to read that, Jason, because uh, it talks about this. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. 
And also on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. All right. So people have recognized here in Joel chapter two that he's talking about uh, the last the last days in terms of the end of time just before Jesus comes. Now, we're going to pick up uh, the book of Acts in a moment because Peter referenced this at his time also, um, that when Peter got up and spoke uh, and the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, uh, he certainly references Joel chapter 2. But I think that just as you have a early fulfillment of that in the early Christian church with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at the day of Pentecost, I think you will also have this at the last days because the context of Joel 2 is the last days as opposed to uh, just the time when it was poured out at the day of Pentecost. Um, if you read Revelation twelve seventeen, this was from last week, we were talking about God's end time remnant, and I'll uh, get you to read that, Jason. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the remnant of her seed who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So this is the end at the end of Revelation 12. The Revelation 12 is really a prophecy about the history of the Christian church or the history of God's people really. Mm. Um and it says the dragon that was the devil he is enraged with the woman that's the church and he went to make war with the remnant the last part the, that which remains the remnant of her seed who keep the commandments of God and they have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And in Revelation 19.10, it tells us what the testimony of Jesus is. It says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. All right, so here's three identifying characteristics. We talked about six of them last week when we were looking at identification features of the, of the remnant church. They keep the commandments of God. They have the testimony of Jesus, which is the spirit of prophecy. So they're a Christian group, they keep the commandments, and they have the spirit of prophecy. And so we should look for that element in God's end-time remnant church. Now, we mentioned before that the the, uh, the 1,260 years of uh, the Dark Ages, when uh, the ch- church essentially, God's true people, were in the wilderness to some degree, uh, and that came to an end in 1798, uh, at the end of those 1,260 years. And uh, if people want to check out some of the former um, messages, then, then they should do that on the uh, Faith FM app because that, that might help them to understand where we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And then you have uh, finally people starting to uh, look at the longest time prophecy, which we've also talked about in, in Daniel 8.14, where it says, Unto 2,300 days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. And in our program called um, Jerusalem, the Temple and Jerusalem, uh, we talked about that prophecy in the sanctuary in heaven and how it needed cleansing and so forth. And in 1844, uh, there was a, a Baptist farmer by the name of William Miller. He examined this prophecy in Daniel 8.14, the 2,300 days prophecy. He, re- he re- recognized that these represented 2,300 years and that would come to the middle of the 1840s. That would be when it would end. He believed Jesus was coming back at that time. He thought the second coming of Christ would come. Now, of course, they even set a date, October 22, 1844. And there were lots of people, not just uh, this this Baptist farmer, William Miller, but many people from all kinds of different denominations looked at this prophecy and said, yep, 
the world's going to end in 1844. And of course, it didn't. Mm. It didn't. And then people said, well, how did we go wrong? Is there no God? Is prophecy wrong? Uh, you know, what went wrong? And they went back to the scripture and they discovered that there was a sanctuary in heaven, that Jesus had a ministry to perform there. But it was a multi-denominational group. And in 1844, after that event, there was a young woman in New England in North America. Her name was Ellen Harmon. She eventually became Ellen White. She married a young uh, preacher by the name of James White. But Ellen Harmon received a vision from God in uh, late, uh, late 1844. And she had a vision of God's people that were on a road, on a path towards heaven. And she was told, keep your eyes on the light ahead. Keep your eyes on Christ and you will stay on the path. Mm. And uh, she related this vision. And, of course, she would then go on to have, she was 17 years of age. She would go on to have some 200, sorry, 2,000 plus dreams and visions over the next 70 years of her life. And uh, she, she was reluctant uh, initially to, to share that with people. Yeah, I, I, maybe you can read this. This is one of her letters that she wrote in 1847. Mm. So this was still early in her, her, her life. It says, after I had the vision and God gave me light, he bade me deliver it, but I shrank from it. I was young and I thought they would not receive it from me. Being a prophet is not a very popular occupation. Mm. We might think, oh, wouldn't it be great to be one of the prophets of God? But oftentimes God's prophets are called to deliver messages that aren't always welcome. Mm. You know, they might be true, but they're not always welcome. Mm. And uh, so Ellen White would receive uh, these, like I say, 2,000 2000 visions and dreams uh, over the period of her life. And... um, you know, today, uh, many of the, the things that she wrote about have given rise to, to, you know, major ministries. So, for instance, um, there are hospitals and healthcare centers, uh, nearly 200 of them around the globe that are built on the principles that she wrote about on health. Now, this woman had a third grade education. So she went to, to uh, school and then she um, a, another student threw a rock at her once and, and it hit her in the face. And she uh, was, you know, unwell for quite some time. But from the third grade onwards, from about no, nine years of age, she didn't go back to any formal schooling. Now, the question is, if you've got the largest Protestant health system in the world built based upon her teachings and her writings, where did she get that information from? She only had a third grade education. Mm. Now, she would say she got it from God. Mm. She got the information from God. And if she didn't get it from there, where did she get it from? The health advice that she wrote about, people that practice that health advice live between seven to ten years longer than the average population. They have far less instances of heart disease, cancer, diabetes, obesity, stroke. Why is that? You know, why, why if, if you're following the health advice of this woman who had a third grade education, why is it that that's successful health advice? Mm. Um, and she, she says it's because those messages came from God. Now, the options are she either invented the stuff or it came from the devil or it did actually come from God. And I think the proof is in in the pudding, as they say. The proof of the pudding is in the tasting. We could look at, um, 
you know, the education system, the largest Protestant education system in the world, is built upon the messages that she wrote about. She wrote a book called Education. And, uh, you know, there are nearly 6,000 primary schools, 2,500 high schools, and over 100 university-level institutions uh, that are educating people around the world. I've been to some of them. Um that were all built based on what she wrote about education. Mm. Now, she was a woman who had only a third grade education herself. And so to me, it just seems that the the fruits of her labor, the life that she led, um, she certainly believed in the Bible. And we'll talk a little bit about what the purpose of her writings were, because people are saying, well, hang on, if she's a prophet, you know, does she take the place of the Bible? Well, certainly mm. not, and we'll we'll see that in a moment. We're going to go to a break, and uh, just remember our book offer for today is Steps to Christ. This is a little book that um, it's just, you know, about uh, how many pages? About maybe, I don't know how many pages. Maybe, maybe, without one in front of maybe me, maybe I can't only tell. about 80 or 100 it pages. Not it's, a not a, it's not a big book. It's a beautiful little book, and it's easy to read. And it was written by this lady, Ellen White. Yeah, it was written, and uh, it's a fantastic little book. So that's our book offer for today. We'll give you the code after the break. But uh, right now, this is Ancient Words by Michael W. Smith. Holy Word. 
Ancient words, and uh, obviously those ancient words point us to the future. They point us to to Jesus Christ, and uh, they're still doing that, Peter. Amen. Yeah, they're still doing that. Now, before the break, I said we'd give you the code to our giveaway today, our free book offer, and that's Steps to Christ, and the code to get that is SEARCH27. So just text in the word SEARCH27 to 0488 Eight eight zero eight nine one, and we will get that book out to you as soon as we can. So that's search twenty seven, no spaces zero four eight 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 zero eight nine one. Now, Peter, um, we really need to know how we can determine if somebody is a true prophet or not. Yeah, and I and believe the Bible helps us. That's right. Work that we, out. we we talked about some of the tests of a true prophet a, a moment ago. We've been talking. We've been sort of led to this point where we're talking about this lady whose name was Ellen White, and uh, she claimed to receive visions and dreams from God, and she prophesied many things and. Um, she wrote so much. Um, let me give, give you a little bit of a bio. She was born on the 26th of November, 1827, in Gorham, Maine, in the United States, in the New England area. Um, she um, lived for 70, sorry, 87 years, and um, she was married, as, as I mentioned, to a, a, a young preacher, James White. Um, she had four children, so she was a mother, she was a wife, she was a normal person, right? But God used, and if you really think about it, sometimes we sort of remove the Bible from us from a great time and distance, um, but we forget that they were real people. You mm. know, when Jesus called the fishermen, Peter, James, and John, they were just fishermen, right? And and we, we kind of sometimes forget. We, we put them on a pedestal. We have them glowing, holy beings or whatever, mm. the apostles, but they were ordinary people that God called and did extraordinary things with. Mm. Uh, and the same was true with Ellen White. She wrote more than 5,000 periodical ar- articles and 40 books. Um, she's the most translated woman writer in the entire history of literature and the most translated American author of either gender, which is pretty, you know, pretty impressive. Um, and, uh, you know, she wrote on a, a broad range of subjects, including religion, education, social relationships, evangelism, prophecy, publishing, nutrition, management, and a whole lot, lot more. Um, and so her writings have been, um, published the the little book steps to christ that we're offering today has been published in uh, more than 140 languages around the world um so you know i think that um when we look at what the bible says in terms of a prophet it says you know we've run through these six tests of a prophet in harmony with god's word Mm -hmm. i would encourage people to read it and test it for themselves find out I believe she's in harmony with God's word. She certainly received dreams and visions. That's what she's claim, claiming to, to have received. And people actually saw her in they vision. Saw it, yeah. Sometimes for many hours. Mm. Um, her predictions did come to pass. She uh, predicted things like the San Francisco earthquake and so forth. Um, she always is seeking to build the church and not strip it apart. She exalts Jesus. That's why we have a book called Steps to Christ, which uh, exo- you know exalts Jesus. Um, things like Desire of Ages, which is all about Jesus and the life of Jesus and the Gospels. And, of course, bears good fruit. And like I said, 
the hospital system, the education system, the fruits of her labours are there for all to see. And uh, I think that, you know, um, she, she passes that test. The Bible says to us in 1 Thessalonians five nineteen to 21. Maybe you can read that, Jason. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. So the Bible says don't despise prophecies because we might say, well, we've got to beware of false prophets, and that's true. But that doesn't mean you throw out all the prophets, right? Mm. And so it says, do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast what is true. In 1 John 4, 1, it says, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the prophets, whether they are of God. And I would like to encourage people to ring in or text in, get the book, and check out the material for themselves, mm. okay? You know, the, there's. Uh, I'm sure that there will be people who have opinions, oh, no, she couldn't have been a prophet. But then there are people with opinions on the Bible, oh, that can't be the word of God, mm. right? But I would say read it for yourself, okay? And what what interests me about Ellen White is the things that she would say. She, t- she said that her writings were to direct us back to the Bible. Mm. And uh, in one of her... Um, um, Quotes, she says in early writings, page 78, it says, I recommend to you, dear reader, the word of God as the rule of your faith and practice. That word, by that word, we are to be judged. And so um, she also said, um, Cole Porter Ministry 125, she writes, Little heed is given to the Bible, and the Lord has given a lesser light to lead men and women to the greater light. So she never said, oh, you should read my words uh, next to the Bible or read my words above the Bible. She always was directing people back to the word of God. And that's one of the reasons she said God's, uh, God gave her those messages was to lead us back to the Bible. In um, another passage she wrote uh, in Selective Messages, book one, page 18, she wrote, cling to your Bible as it reads, and stop your criticism in regard to its validity and obey the word and not one of you will be lost. And so I be- I do believe that Ellen White was a genuine prophet of God and that God has used her to inform us uh, of things in the last days, but more to direct us back to prophecies already given. It's interesting, I'll maybe finish on this, Jason, where you think about the Bible, God sends a prophet at the beginning of a prophecy, but sometimes he, he sends a, a prophet at the end of it as well, certainly in terms of time prophecies. Mm. So, for instance, Abraham said, was, was told by God that your people um, shall be um, there for 400 years, then they shall come out with great substance. And when it came time to, for them to come out of Egypt with great substance, Moses, Moses was raised yeah. up. Mm. Moses in his writings in Deuteronomy, he says, if you forsake the Lord, you will be carried away captive. And, of course, at the time of that captivity, God raised up another prophet, Daniel. Mm. Daniel prophesied that the Messiah would come. And when it was time for the Messiah to come, another John the Baptist came up. Yeah. was raised up. Mm. And, and uh, then again, you've got uh, it, Daniel also prophesied of the 2,300 days. And when that came to an end in 1844, did God raise up another prophet? Prophet, I think it's no coincidence that Ellen White received her first vision in 1844 mm. at the end of that 2,300-year prophecy in Daniel. You've got this prophet at the beginning, prophet at the end of each of these time prophecies, and I think uh, that that is another significant element. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 29:18. 
Where there is no vision, the people perish. And so God has given visions through his prophets, and we should take them seriously. Mm. Yeah. Fascinating and, uh, yeah, very interesting how God used the prophets in old time and uh, he has raised up. I think the. He still speaks. Yeah, and I think the fascinating thing for me, just in that summary that you've given there, is that. at the right time, another prophet uh, yeah. comes comes through. Um, Peter, what have you got for us next week? Okay, next week we are looking at abundant living. So does God have anything to say about how we live our lives today, and particularly in the area of, you know, do, does God want us to be healthy? And we're okay. going to talk about health and spirituality. Okay. Looking forward to that. And, of course, tomorrow with David Maxwell, uh, Tabitha will be talking to him on History's Final Pages. We do hope that you can join David and Tabitha tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, just as we go out today, this is, a, uh, I guess, a, a more um, light-hearted song than the other songs that we've listened to today. They were slower and more serious. This is Do Not Worry, but it's uh, really based on, on Matthew I think chapter 6 where it talks about the lilies of the field. So we're going to listen to that right now by Ellie Holcomb. Do not worry. Have a good day wherever you are and we'll catch you again next week. See the birds that are singing in the spring air They're giving everything they need They don't worry where their next meal will come from They don't worry about a thing So just look around you Try to listen to the song creation sings Don't you worry cause you're in the hands of the God Who made everything Flowers in their colorful beauty They're dressed better than a king They don't worry about what they should wear, no They don't worry about a thing So just look around you Try to listen to the song creation sings And don't you worry cause you're in Hands of the God who made everything Because you're, you're not a bird And you're, you're not a flower You don't have petals or wings But there is good news You're worth so much more To the God who made everything That they might bring Try to remember That you're in the hands Of the God Who made every Single thing Now just remember You're not a bird And you're not a flower You don't have petals Or wings But 
There's good news because you're worth so much more to the God who made everything. This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.